Welcome to the Ad Proficiency Podcast, presented by NerdJam.net. Whether you're a new player or veteran dungeon master, we're here to help you add depth to your game. Today on Ad Proficiency, we're just doing a chill, laid-back reflections episode on the skill series that we just knocked out. How you doing today, Eddie? You doing all right? Yeah, man, I'm doing great. I feel like we've done some really nice work so far. Me too, me too. I feel like we've cranked out some quality content. Uh, how'd you feel about the skill series? Oh man, it, it was really great putting all of this creativity that we have into this and really expanding upon what we would really use the, the skills for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what we were trying to do with the skill series was teach new players how to think like a veteran player, basically. What was your goal with the skill series? So I really like bringing in content from older editions that's really fun that could enhance current editions that are in. So I feel like sharing some of that knowledge with new and veteran players could give them really fun, creative sparks in their own games. Yeah, I agree for sure. The The leadership feat was a good call on the Charisma Show. Oh, th- thank you very much. I feel like it could be tuned down some for for five for fifth edition, <laughs> Maybe, just yeah. for uh, the sheer numbers that you can get. Yeah, no doubt. I was also a really big fan of the sleight of hand trick, pretending somebody dropped something that you stole off of them, and then giving it back to them. Oh, oh, that was uh, something I had used in a game a long time ago. It was a it was a good trick. For me, a big part of the skill series was answering the question of what can I do in a game where new players are told they can do basically whatever they want, and they're just like, okay, what does that mean? Especially coming from a gaming background, I feel like my options were always kind of presented to me, and so what I didn't get as a new player was like the scope of how much freedom you actually have. And for me personally, one of the most frustrating things was, or or is rather, I hate the feeling of wasting time because I don't know what to do, or like when you can't find that key to that door, and so your whole game is just stuck because like you don't know what direction to progress in. So this series was supposed to teach people what their abilities are, how to use them, what they imply, and how to come up with their own clever applications. Our whole thing with ad proficiency and the approach that we were trying to take with this first series was basically this concept of information exposure, just like hammering a series of good ideas into players that trains them to think in the way a veteran player would. Oh yeah, absolutely. I I think we really nailed that. Or I hope we nailed that. (laughs) Um... Okay, do you want to just dive right into these? Take a look? Yeah, Yeah. let's go ahead and get get started. So, starting with the Athletics podcast, or rather the Strength podcast, which was basically just boiled down to Athletics, because that's the only skill. Uh, How'd you feel about that one? So... That was very expansive for only being one skill. Let's be honest. Like we covered so many useful applications for the athletic skill. Yeah. Athletics is very, very broad. I kind of wish that we had more clever or original ideas for athletics, but I feel that it's already so self-explanatory and well explored that like people know how to use it. Generally, yeah, and it's uh, the name kind of explains it all. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like maybe using athletics to climb as like a workaround for stealth was like kind of like I wish we had more of those little nuggets in there. But yeah, say lovey. Uh, we forgot to mention overpowering. Oh uh, yeah, as a movement option, basically like the athletics version of tumbling. Okay. Uh, which is just like you you roll opposed athletics checks to move through a creature space instead of trying to like dodge around them like acrobatics would allow you to do. But 
aside from that, I feel like we did cover all the bases pretty well. You use it for all kinds of stuff. We talked about like some new ways to use it. I felt okay with it. Yeah. Okay. Word. Um, so dexterity skills. How'd you feel about those? I don't really play dexterous characters that often, but I feel like when I do, I try and be as, I guess, good as possible while still using my skills uh, when applicable. Like morally good? Morally good. You, you I play a lot of good characters. You seem to play like good guy characters a lot. It makes me feel bad to be bad in games. It, like It's so... <laughs> Like a lot okay. of times, like massive. Let's be honest. Like playing Mass Effect, I barely ever choose Renegade unless someone's being a real asshole. Okay, well, about that. Okay. a real jerk. Well, the thing about Mass Effect though was yeah. that those Renegade lines were like some asshole lines, dude. <laughs> they were like hardcore. <laughs> when Shepard like when Shepard says that stuff, it is just like he's a jerk, man. He and really is. I don't know. It was hilarious playing through the Renegade playthrough because, like, I was just cracking up at, like, how, like, I didn't even like Shepard. I was just like, God, this guy's, like, awful. Yeah, and, no, for re- the Mass Effect 3 Renegade option with Morden is unacceptable. Just no. Mm. I will say this for Mass Effect, though. Great for seeing what intimidation and persuasion lines look like absolutely because when you get like those those really like rp heavy clicks that like you only if you're like really paragon or really a renegade Renegade, yeah yeah those were like the really good lines and the really cinematic scenes i was a big fan of those um but anyways (laughs) talk about (laughs) dexterity skills sorry if you've if you've never played a dexterous character play a rogue Oh yeah, absolutely. Play a dexterity rogue because you can just dump everything into decks and you're fine. Your AC is super high. Your skills are amazing. You can hide from everything because your stealth is through the roof and you can hide constantly. You can pick locks. You can it's, uh, it's ingratiate yourselves to, to the local nobles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how'd you feel about covering the dexterity skills? I feel like we we covered them thoroughly, but I guess again, like the same with athletics. I wish we had just like a little bit more of that oomph in there. I I think what what it was. This keep it organic. Keep talking. I'm just I'm trying to think because I don't know if I'm just being like my own worst critic here, but basically, I I want us to have original ideas, and even yeah. though like I feel like having all of this information in one place is good. I feel like I want more of those little cherries on top. I understand. And I feel like maybe using like we we talked about using acrobatics as like an escape or to to end combat in ways that others can't pursue that kind of thing. And like I felt like that was a good nugget, but I I don't know. I I feel like it wasn't until we hit intelligent skills that we were like, okay, this is really like, we can really jump into some unexplored territory here and just pull out like good idea after good idea. Oh yeah. Or at least I thought we covered intelligence pretty well. But I feel like with the dexterity skills, especially since they're so self-explanatory, like people know how to use stealth, people know what sleight of hand generally does, even though we came up with some good applications for it. It was just like we started our our skill series with like the two most well-explored topics, I guess. And and I guess that's kind of what always like stuck out to me about the way this skill series started. The um I will say uh did we mention uh street magicians in uh 
in the sleight of hand series? Mm. Because if we didn't, those are like did. I think we I, did for the role play okay. section. We talked about like shuffling things. Yeah, like uh, the shell games, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But like, yeah, you know, like uh, card tricks and all that kind of thing would even qualify. Like yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And okay, we're gonna we're gonna get all... to talk about that a little bit more too because yeah. there there are gaming sets in the toolkits podcast was which is actually what we're gonna be doing next, uh, which I'm really excited about. I That's am, gonna be oof, fun, dude. I am so excited to do the toolkits podcast because there's not there's not really a whole lot of great toolkit content out there as it is because. I feel like players just aren't encouraged to think that hard about the game. Yeah. Like, like they're like, yeah, you can have carpenter's tools, right? And you're like, okay, what can I do with that? And they're like, well, like, you know, you're proficient in them, you know, do whatever you want. And, and they're like, okay. Can, I mean, like, can, <laughs> what can does I mean? build a house? Uh, uh, can I build a chair? <laughs> and it's like, I don't know, because the game's like, you're proficient. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's all they give you, you know? I feel like there are a lot of like things in the game that's like, do this with your downtime activity. And you look at it and it's like, oh, it'll cost you like a jillion gold. And it'll also take like five months, like 10 months of like in-game time for shit to happen. Yeah. And I'm just like, damn, dude, that's that's a long time. And like, I would rather my down. I just prefer a faster like flow to like how things progress in downtime. And so we'll, yeah, get, we'll get the opportunity to talk about that a little bit, too. So I'm I'm really excited for this upcoming series. Oh yeah, uh, and uh, I, and then you even have the like not even the long term crafting things, but like the short crafting stuff, like alchemist tools, alchemist kit, and uh, poisoner's tools, and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. things that don't take weeks to finish. Like, mm-hmm. although you could certainly have like grand like artisan level projects that may take. Oh a long yeah, time. Abs- yeah, I mean. Yeah, there's we, we said characters Ooh, for like later. That's another yeah. thing I'm really excited to talk about is like the scope of of how. Oh man, yeah. Like, like the difference between a noob, right, and like, fucking Hephaestus, you yeah, know, the forgery god, like, like creating lightning bolts, you know, that kind of shit. Yeah, I uh, know. Oh yeah, dude. Um, right. So it's like those are Smith's tools. It's just in the hands of a, a high-level character, essentially, right? I mean, yeah, I've, and I feel like a, a smiths, like, they can make a sword or, two, like, at least classic ones, could make a, a blade or two in, like, a day, just because they had people there. Right, right. And so, then, yeah, not all your projects are going to take, like, a million years. Yeah, exactly. To, to finish up. <laughs> Let's move into intelligence, because okay. I, we're still, I think we're still in dexterity. That's fine. Uh, I completely forgot. We're riffing, dude. It's cool. Um, one of the points that we did sort of just forget to mention in okay. Dexterity was that tumbling and overpowering can be used to block checkpoints. We weren't sure like how, how many ways it was actually useful as opposed to like disengaging or dodging and moving away. Yeah. And you, one of the counterpoints that you offered was that you could use it to generate advantage. And I was like, oh, shit, like that's oh, yeah. a great idea. Yeah. Uh, another one I thought of later that you actually used in one of my games was moving yourself into like the position of like a doorway and using that maneuverability to block that choke point. Oh yeah. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's great. That's a great idea. So yeah, there's that. Um, so intelligence, something that we forgot that I was kicking myself for was we forgot to mention prestidigitation while we were talking about Arcana. Oof. Yeah, right. that, that was, ugh, that's a little embarrassing, but we we caught it 
it's it's in the reflections episode. Yeah. So you know, don't don't harass us. So press the digitation. Press the digitation is there to fulfill all of your Arcana needs fun uh, as word, far by as the way. conjuring. Pretty amazing stuff. I'm sorry. I said fun word by the way. Press the digitation. Yes, yeah. that's how you say that. Press the digitation. I feel like maybe we should have talked a little bit more about setting specific Arcana applications. So like basically Arcana having different applications based on the way magic works in your setting. Okay. And that Arcana is subject to the flavor that a DM gives magic in their game because it's basically like a know about magic in this setting skill. Yeah. Kind of the way that nature turned out to be just a like know about this setting skill, which I thought was really cool. Absolutely. Nature gets you the uh, lay of the land, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. nice. There was also room to talk about like multiple kinds of arcana. So like how that could be, excuse me, how that might be divvied up into like paranormal arcana or like working in like a study. How would you feel about adding specializations to certain skills like that and giving extra bonuses? How would you, seeing as there aren't skill points anymore, how would you feel about doing something of that nature and giving bonuses to super specialized uh, knowledge, let's say? I feel like that's the kind of thing that I would put into like a background. And when it comes to dealing with paranormal activity, you get like a bonus to your arcana checks. Okay. Something like that. There's different kinds of magic in the game. And so, like, things like glyphs and scribing things would be different from conjuration arcana. I I just feel like because there are different schools of magic, that almost kind of suggests to me that magic works differently. And that's what each school is basically, like, focusing on, right? Yeah. So I guess in that sense, like, I feel like it would make sense for there to be, like, a lot more specialized knowledge. I was really surprised to see that the intelligence skills were as marketable as they were. Like, I've never minded dumping the intelligence skills because I was like, I can just get by without knowing about stuff. Like, that's not a big deal. What surprised me about them was that you can conduct projects with them and the scale of those projects goes very, very high. The sort of things you can do when it comes to, like, introducing agriculture to nomads, you know? Oh, yeah. That sort of thing. And it's just like, oh, yeah, it's just because, like, I know about nature, you know? It's like, holy crap, you changed our entire civilization for the rest of time. It's like, thanks. Thanks, guy. Like, no problem. I'm just, you know, an adventurer over here, like with my backpack. Yeah. Sharing that nature skill. I hope you use this knowledge for the benefit of people. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't war on other nomads. Bye. With, with your superior nutrition. Anything else you want to add to intelligence? No. Any, any I mean, particular thoughts? No, not anymore. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So wisdom. Let's talk about wisdom a little bit. We have several different things we could talk about with wisdom. One of the things I wanted to cover was the utility of religion can be expanded if a religion is centered around something in the world. So like, for example, right, a a religion that involves water, for instance, I can see how someone with a background in that religion would be able to make like religion checks when it came to like obtaining information about water or something like that. So I... I was kind of at a loss when we were talking about religion because I was like, outside of like organizations and like theologies, what what application does this have, you know? And also, I feel like we're not really in a world that is dominated by religion per se, in a world with You're talking cr- about material gods that, you know, walk 
walk the plane, that kind of thing. You You're know? talking about D and D, yeah. Like I'm talking, well, I'm talking about real life setting as a and D and D. You know, in Dungeons and Dragons, there are physical manifestations of the various gods walking the earth. Yeah. You're just saying there's, there's a different degree of certainty involved. Yes. When it, is what, when it comes yes. to like the way religion works in a D and D set. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah. But I feel like even that is like subject to the setting. Like maybe they have a setting where like, you know, there are no gods anymore, Yeah, but there used to be or something like that, you know, or, or maybe there's like a, a jillion gods and they're walking around all over the place and, People don't think very highly of gods. So maybe religion means something completely different then. And so it was kind of weird to talk about the utility of religion because kind of like Arcana, it it was so subject to the nature that you give that particular religion within your setting. That's true. Okay. I I, I understand that. Yeah. So I was trying to think of like general ways that religion could be used, but I, I feel like if you want to get the most out of religion, then write something for religion that incorporates it deeply into the world in a way the player can utilize. Absolutely. That makes sense. Um, thanks. Sorry. No, I was like, <laughs> I, had, I had something, but then, you know, no, you're good. No, I appreciate it. Um, no, no, that was really good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so, all right, here's a big one. Here's a big one that you and I have been waiting for. Biggie big intelligence versus wisdom. Oh boy. <clears throat> so, so Eddie, yeah. What is wisdom? How would you define wisdom as an ability score? Okay, so wisdom, I feel like, would be the lessons you've gained from experience over time, as opposed to... Should I go ahead and talk about intelligence? Well, yeah, yeah, sure. So as opposed to intelligence being knowledge strictly of things in a academic sense, I feel. So would you say that perception is relative to experience that you've accumulated over time? Yes, your because perception, your ability to notice things? I would say yes, just because there are certain factors in your life over time that cause your perception, peripheral, uh, other and otherwise, to enhance and or diminish, depending on the situation. So, so I would say that um, you can train yourself to be more perceptive of the environment around you. Okay. So wouldn't that suggest that your wisdom would naturally increase over time? That's that's almost like saying, like, if it's based on accumulated experience, right, then young or naive people should not be good at noticing things, right? Uh, yes, I will say that um, much like every character, every person's different. So you have some of those young, old souls. And then I believe there's an aging mechanic in D&D that increases your mental faculties, like at least wisdom and that kind of thing, while that uh, while diminishing your physical. Oh, snap. No, I, uh, I there may not that, be in 5th edition, but there used to be uh, in 3.5. There was a series of uh, buffs you would get depending on the age of your character. If you wanted them to be older or younger, um, like you would get extra wisdom, that kind of thing. Oh, and, that's cool. And reduced like physical attributes. Oh, yeah, I've heard, to, like, like, minor, like, like, one to two. And undead would, like, shred your actual stats. 
Oh, or, like, dude, take yeah. actual levels from you. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. That, the negative levels Oof. were uh, were rough. And I heard it was like a thing that like it was like once you lost levels, you were more likely to just get killed anyway <laughs> oh, <laughs> because man. you were weaker because of that. You know? Yeah. If you'd like to look at the aging table, it's on d20srd.org under the description section. It basically covers what alignment is in 3.5 as well as what aging does to your body and different ages for different creatures. It's pretty nice. Word, 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 word. So getting back to like what wisdom is, right? Sorry. (laughs) No, you're good. Uh, So the PHB tells us wisdom reflects how attuned you are to the world around you and represents perceptiveness and intuition. So I wasn't quite sure if this was supposed to be like mental constitution, like your your strength of mind or or rather like how how tough your will is. Yeah. Or a sort of like slippery, evasive nature that your mind like kind of has. And I'm thinking of like wisdom saves to avoid mind affecting spells such as compulsion. Okay. But saves aside, I, I feel like wisdom is kind of a skill that represents one's inherent capabilities. And perception would be like your ability to notice things. Insight would be your ability to infer information. Animal handling is nonverbal influence and communication, and survival is interaction with your environment. So on the other hand, I felt like intelligence represents knowledge. And I think the player's handbook actually describes intelligence as being your strength of mind, which is kind of interesting because we use wisdom saves, not intelligence saves, to dodge tricks of the mind. Mm -hmm. So with this being said, with wisdom being about your inherent capabilities, why is medicine a wisdom skill? Well, that's why, again, wisdom to a point is inherent, but it also takes a lot of mental training. We're talking about, like, wisdom is like perceiving, intuiting, and interacting, whereas knowledge is about knowing about X, whether it's arcana, history, nature, or religion. When I look at medicine beside passive use skills like perception and insight, I ask myself, is this not a knowledge-based skill? I feel like an animal can be born with insight, perception, and survival capabilities, but one's ability to apply medicine requires specialized knowledge in the same way that arcana does. It's like animals don't inherently have medical knowledge. If you have a weasel familiar, right, Mm -hmm. and you go into cardiac arrest, that weasel is not going to know what to do. It's not going to have the capabilities to make a medicine check to, like, begin chest compulsions or something like that, right? Yeah. And I feel like, like with history, like, you have to learn history before you can go reciting facts correctly. (laughs) Yeah, but... I will also the other side of medicine is that you actually have to practice the things you do. The other stuff, like the knowledge skills, it's generally mostly acquired through book learning, just book learning. I can see what you're saying, but even still, you're saying like the accumulation of experience or you're saying because like it's hands on because you are interacting with. Is it because of that? Basically. But I feel like the manner in which you interact is based upon specialized knowledge. So it's like, even if you're saying like, yes, it's it's like the way that you're interacting with them, right? How would you know to begin doing chest compulsions unless you know what the problem is 
in so, the first place. So, uh, like, like I said, that combines the academic knowledge and the practice of doing something like that. You're like, okay, so, you know, this person's having, you know, going into cardiac arrest. I've seen this before. I've done, I've helped this before. I can do this now. And that's when you are doing the action. That's why the, uh, most of the knowledge skills don't have physical action associated with them or the intelligence skills generally. Mm. I see what you're saying. It's just that I feel that the other wisdom skills are very passive use. It's like the way you go about perceiving or the way you go about like reading somebody. Well, it's about half and half because animal handling is very hands-on. Yes, yes. So so you're saying wisdom is defined as the application of experience. Yes. So how can a young character have a high wisdom skill? Well, like I said, some people are just kind of, I said that I used the term earlier, old souls. Basically, they seem to have knowledge or be able to do things that someone their age shouldn't generally be able to do. But there's always, you know, exceptions. Okay. Okay. Well, my my particular verdict on on yeah. how I feel about medicine is that yes, I understand how you could say like it's your inherent ability to apply medicine, but for me, I really feel like it should be an intelligence skill because it's predicated on having that knowledge and knowing what to do with that knowledge. It's like you've accumulated this experience and there is an art to it, yes, but that experience is essentially knowledge it's essentially medical knowledge because like like a a black bear isn't gonna have like a lot of medical knowledge even if it has a high wisdom score right well yeah but it'll still be receiving a really large bonus to that medical check because of its high wisdom and that's why i'm saying like it just seems strange to me it won't get the proficiency and it also doesn't have the uh the physical means to perform medicine, complicated medicine. Like, let's be like being honest here. You haven't it, seen the Dr. bear do little dude. Like, <laughs> the bear doesn't perform surgery, man. Bro, I'm not saying they're not intelligent. I'm saying that they uh, are barely capable of doing it. They're barely capable. Yes. Oh my god. Eddie. I- <laughs> I had oh to throw it in there. <laughs> oh my word. Okay. Okay. So why is investigation an intelligent skill? How do you feel about that one? If perception is wisdom, why is investigation intelligence? So we kind of talked about this a little bit previously in the perception and investigation. I think what defines the line between the two, Mm -hmm. between perception and investigation. Mm -hmm. I feel like, sorry, I'm trying to put the words together properly. You know, if we're using your wisdom definition, that it's based on the accumulation of experience. Yeah. It stands to reason that your investigation would scale with the accumulation of experience, right? One would think, but it's not a it's not a wisdom yeah. skill. It's not a wisdom <laughs> skill, is it? <laughs> I think maybe. Um, um, so that, yeah, that's kind of a weird thing in in the game is that uh, is that investigation is an intelligent skill. Yes, um, I think that's a little strange. Uh, I wouldn't say that perception is about possessing knowledge on how to perceive but rather that inherent ability 
like how you go about perceiving kind of like what we talked about likewise investigation is a skill that strikes me as being less about the factual knowledge regarding investigation and being more about the way you go about applying your investigative skills which puts it more in the domain of wisdom skills in my opinion because it's it's like your inherent ability to look for something you're looking for I'm kind of inclined to say investigation allows you to make the leaps in logic to put clues together, which is what makes it an intelligence skill. Mm. Is the, It allows you to see the patterns in certain things and but put isn't those that together. What insight does? No. And that's a wisdom skill. Insight specifically does that for people. In a social sense, but that's yeah, what ins- I'm saying. If insight is derived from wisdom, then what you're saying being its own category of investigation makes sense, but it seems that that category should be derived from wisdom as well. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean you have seen this before, but it means that you have the ability to string these things together in su- in a, such a way. Mm-hmm. That even if you've never experienced anything like this before, you possess the mental faculties to reason that what is going on is because of this and because of they're doing it for these reasons. And But if you have a high insight, you should be able to infer that. And I feel like the same greater ability score that insight is derived from would be the same thing. Like your ability to infer the connections between these these logical clues seems like it would be you know, it would increase with experience, right? Well, if we're using that definition. So insight would allow you to notice if someone's behavior is amiss. You get details off of investigation. Okay. Okay. It's... Perhaps. <laughs> um, so that's, that's my that's my point of view on it. Rather. Okay. So so your verdict is that it makes more sense for medicine to be wisdom, and it makes more sense for investigation to be intelligence. Yes. Okay. For me, when you look at the way intelligence skills are divided, right, they are all basically like subcategories of intelligence, knowing about arcana, knowing about history. So knowing about medicine seems to be like a knowledge field to fit alongside something like arcana or nature. And likewise, when I think of the wisdom skills, my definition of wisdom, for me, it it represents your inherent capability. Your ability to notice and your ability to infer information through insight checks are both wisdom skills. So it strikes me that investigation would be a combination of your ability to notice and your ability to infer information. So that just seems to me like it would be more of a wisdom thing. I just want to I want to pose a question to your uh, uh, thing about medicine. So would you trust someone that had a strictly textbook knowledge of the human body and how it worked to perform a complex medical procedure just for the sake of put of classifying uh, uh, medicine into intelligence? So you're saying, would I trust a wise old surgeon or a super intelligent but by the book surgeon? No, basically, basically, no, I'm saying someone who has never performed surgery, never performed a medical procedure ever with a strictly textbook knowledge of medicine has never done anything in practice. Would you trust them to perform something on you? Do they know more than they know exactly the same amount as, the, as, the, like, tra- as there, the trained is, surgeon? Are we implying that their modifier is lower because of this lack of experience? No, what I'm implying is that classifying uh, medicine as a strictly intelligent skill doesn't seem like, like I said, it needs the uh, it needs the practice element of of medicine. 
that's why it's a wisdom skill. Okay. That's okay. that's what I'm getting. It just seems weird to me that it scales <laughs> with wisdom. I understand. I, I kind of feel like they might have swapped investigation with medicine because both of those skills seem to me kind of out of place among the other skills in their respective ability scores. And I feel like they may have done this because perception and investigation are the two biggest information gathering tools as far as like poking around for stuff or noticing things. And generally players have one or the other. So I feel like they kind of gave one to intelligence and one to wisdom. So like intelligence characters could have a tool for information gathering and wisdom characters could too. Yeah. And I also kind of feel like they might have done this so wizards won't have medicine. And clerics can, uh, which is flavor reinforcement for healers, and it's no healing for wizards. We already talked about how medicine doesn't have any healing stuff in it, blah. Yeah. So, I mean... It's uh, flavor reinforcement. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But Thanks, like, wizards. Yeah, God. Oh, um, God. Um, okay, so here's another gripe, right? One more. This is a rant, actually. Just, okay, just let me ahead. just let me just get this one off my go, chest. Go I was, on your rant, sir. My it's it's my inner country kind of acting out here. Okay, go so ahead. let's talk about animal handling, nature, and survival, and how all three of them are supposed to encompass quote knowledge of animals. Okay. So what does survival entail, exactly? Right. It, it's kind of like an implied usage of nature, investigation, perception and animal handling, because like there's so many different things that go into like survival knowledge that it's a very broad skill to have. The nature and survival skills are both supposed to account for knowledge of beasts, according to the player's handbook, and both assume that you know enough to identify things within the wilderness, which requires some degree of knowledge about animals. So. There's a little bit of skill overlap here because in many cases, knowledge of the natural world inherently lends itself to survival skills and vice versa. For instance, bucks, uh, which are male deer, scrape their antlers on trees every year, causing recognizable damage that is inherently indicative of the presence of deer. So for nature, right, if you're making a nature check to look at this, you could say the damage on these trees is caused by bucks, and this can sometimes be fatally to young trees because you know about plants. Animal handling would be like, yeah, these bucks scrape the trees to remove the itchy velvet that grows on their antlers. Uh, and survival could be like, oh, these are scraped, which means like deer can be hunted around here, right? So basically they all do the same thing. And similarly, hunting an animal can be chalked up to nature knowledge of an animal's hunting patterns, how it searches for food, how it detects predators, etc. With nature and survival being as broad categories as they are, animal handling seems very niche to me, especially since like its only real big thing is like the animal training which most people don't even think to use because it doesn't really tell you that and it doesn't give you any options like that. So it seems very niche to me. So I would say either expand animal handling to other creatures so that it could be more applicable and play a larger role. So like instead of just doing beasts, you can also train like other monster types. How cool would it be if you could like train an ooze to follow you around or something like that? Well, those aren't, they have no intelligence, so they can't really like... Well... That's the thing. Is like trained. maybe it could be like training through like tricking them. So like for instance, we'll we'll take a look at how to train your dragon. For instance, right? It wasn't through like teaching them tricks that he's able to trick these like low intelligence dragons. It's by like tricking their senses and tricking their instincts into making them recognize him as like one of their own and the pack leader and that kind of thing. So in that sense, I feel like you could. Even if it's just like a carrot on a stick type of thing, I feel like 
animal handling could be a lot more interesting if you allow it to extend to other monster types. Especially if you work in a type of flavor to do that with, right? Like maybe your background is like, uh, I'm a monster trainer for like a circus or something. But like, without that, I feel like you could make survival a skill that encompasses animal interaction as well. If you just mishmashed animal handling and survival together, I don't know how much people would really miss animal handling. And so if you wanted to distinguish between nature and survival, I would say that nature would be your intelligence skill that represents knowledge of the natural world as it pertains to plants, environments, ecosystems, and natural cycles. Survival would be your wisdom skill that represents knowledge of the natural world as it pertains to animals interacting with your environment and crafting tools from natural materials. There's going to be some overlap, but having animal handling be its own skill just seems unnecessarily niche to me, especially since it only affects one monster type. They don't give you anything to do with it. They're just like, you can handle animals, which we're like, okay, sweet. So we can like, can we train them? I don't know. It's up to your DM because there's nothing in the book that's like, oh yeah, like you can use this. These are all the tricks you can, you know, teach your, teach your bud. So I'm going to say, I, I do disagree that they should be kept separate. Because just because you know how to take care of animals and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you can use that knowledge to survive in the wilderness. You can't train a deer to come to you and lay prostrate to uh, so it'll die. That's not going to happen. No, no, that's true. And so survival is going to be the application of all of the experience that you've gained in the wilderness. And whereas nature is going to be, like you said, the intelligent skill that lets you know, hey, this berry is okay to eat. Survival is the actual ability to forage for it. Survival, as it's written, includes animal knowledge and animal interaction to some extent because it's things like knowing like, oh, there's a bunch of like deer around here or something. That means there must be a water source nearby. Or say like, oh, there's a pack of coyotes that are like howling and and making a, a ruckus. That means they're hunting. That means there's food I can hunt. Like it's it's that kind of like... Yeah, weird interaction where it's like, I get what you're saying and you're not wrong because they are two different skill sets. Yeah. What I'm saying is that since the game is already including some undefined amount of animal knowledge in survival anyways, and they're not expanding animal handling by giving us options, you and I kind of had to make up our own, right? Yeah. It just seems very niche. And it's weird to me that nature gets a degree of like knowing about animals as well, even though that does make sense. It's just that like there's so much overlap that I feel like I would prefer if nature was like plants and like survival and the wisdom skills were like animals. Nature, it covers everything in the natural world, whereas like aberrations and all that kind of thing aren't necessarily natural. Oozes aren't really made where they're made by magic. They're not necessarily made by nature. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know very much about the monsters. Yeah, most, uh, most of the monsters, a lot of the other monsters are created by magic or by extra dimensional forces or gods or what have you. Like dragons are intelligent, which is why you use charisma checks to interact with them. Mm-hmm. Animal handling, I feel like basically you're appealing to this animal's instincts as opposed to a actual personality on the animal. How many people have you known dump animal handling anyone that's well dump i mean mm. i feel like everybody dumps animal handling nobody no one takes it unless you're like actually using animals like yeah like a like a a ranger or a druid 
I, I don't know. I don't know. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I'm just saying it's it's too niche to be a skill. I feel like it could be sorted into like maybe survival is the wrong word and it just needs a a better name, you know, for for something. Okay. Who knows? Maybe maybe survival would be like animal. No, no, actually, I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing I, is, I don't, I don't see how they can neatly go together. Honestly, it's, myself, you know what? just because of the different. It, it's just very niche. That's all yeah. I'm saying. It, I, it I, seems, I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. Unnecessary to have animal handling to me, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um. Damn. Okay. That's it for wisdom. So, taking a look at constitution here. What represents one's mental constitution? Well, strength of will. Wisdom. Wisdom. Yeah. Okay. That's why we make all uh, for. We've already kind of talked about so, that. So, so if you said wisdom, because your definition of wisdom was that it's the application of accumulated experience. Mm-hmm. What does that have to do with strength of will? And especially if like long endurance things are covered by constitution, does willpower not play into something like breath holding? No, not no? necessarily. It's a, that's so? a biological thing more than. For breath holding, that's absolutely biological, and that's, you don't think there's any mental aspect to long-term endurance. There is, well, there is the, the mind games, dude. For mental endurance, I guess there is the training required to gain that. I guess mm-hmm. that just means you're focused on doing this one thing to improve your body physically in this way, and that's entirely different. That doesn't necessarily mean. I feel like wisdom, while it does represent your intuitive capabilities, constitution represents your ability to endure stress. And so when I think of something like willpower, that strikes me as something that is like, as opposed to like, thing. so like a wisdom save is for something like a mind trick, right? It's almost a sort of like evasive nature. Uh, so I tend to think of wisdom as like the slippery, enlightened, or like empowered mind, right? Mm-hmm. And I look at wisdom save spells as a sort of enchantment that is contested against the creature's will. So and this is, this is going to be things like compulsion, Tasha's hideous laughter, that kind of thing. If casting a spell on someone is like throwing a lasso, the evasive quality of that creature's mind is what determines whether that lasso lands or not. And that, that's kind of just how I've always pictured it. And again, this is an intuitive passive use property, which is consistent with the definition that wisdom represents one's inherent abilities, which was kind of like my, how I was looking at wisdom. Yeah. Uh, And I'm looking at the flavor of like the rogue's slippery mind. You just become proficient in wisdom saves, right? So So here's the thing for me. A mind's evasive nature does not strike me as the self-controlling quality that allows one to endure fear or shock. And constitution representing the ability to tolerate physical and mental stress kind of fits this for me. So, like, this is where I talked about breath holding. Um, Yeah. Breath holding, we know, is clearly within the domain of constitution. It's actually listed. Mm -hmm. If you hold your breath for as long as you can, yes, there is a biological need to breathe, but there is a, a point where you are choosing when you stop. And to me, that is you accumulating stress from needing to breathe and how far you can like push or or fight that stress that you're accumulating before you're like, okay, even if I want to, I can't hold my breath any longer. I mean, that's you're basically training your body's involuntary response for inhalation to extend out farther. That's just that's definitely like. But I'm talking about the mental component of endurance specifically. 
And I feel like fear, shock, and madness effects are mental stresses. Yeah. Against which one's will is contested. Yeah. Which is, which to me is why endurance is entirely physical. It's all physical strength. It has nothing to do with your mind. That's the, I think that's where it's kind of weird. It's like, to me, the constitution is mm-hmm. literally the, your body's well-being and how healthy you are of body. It has nothing to do with like how healthy you are of mind. See, I and feel like because. Okay, I'll just put it this way. Mentally, someone can shoulder the burden of stress for a long time, but it'll show physically in their body. Like, they'll become violently ill, like, vomiting for no apparent reason. They'll get gastrointestinal things. And, like, that has nothing to do with your brain. That has to do with your body taking this stress and converting it into something else, into your physical body. So you're saying just constitution is purely physical. There's yeah, no mental component absolutely. to constitution. See, that's why, this is, this that's is why where, they have all these different stats. Like, yeah, yeah this, is, this is where we – this is where I kind of – I have a hard time with what is constitution and what is wisdom. Because wisdom to me represents the slippery nature of an evasive mind and constitution yeah. represents the resistant nature of one's will. And that, that does factor, I think, into things like long distance running. If you've ever had to run a long time, the uh, resisting yeah. the urge to like give up, like if, if D and D is like a reality simulator in a sense, then I feel like there is some weird overlap. And I feel like we give a lot to wisdom, but wisdom for me is very undefined. Like looking at wisdom, the way we use wisdom saves versus like the skills that are derived from wisdom. I haven't found a definition other than like, okay, wisdom represents one's inherent capabilities, which I still feel is very vague. I haven't really found a definition for wisdom that I was like, okay, this clearly defines what the scope of wisdom is for me. Okay. And so I don't know, I guess I guess all of this was like, I just feel like there is a mental component to constitution and it was weird to me that constitution didn't have skills. I, I get why you say that, but in the context of the game, you quantify these things differently for a reason. Mm-hmm. Because if you just lump them together, then you get certain types of characters that become overpowered. So you're saying it's it's wisdom for it's balancing a, reasons? It, wisdom and constitution are separate for balancing and gameplay purposes because it allows it makes it so that a certain type of character can't be abused and become overpowered. It causes diversity in the game. Hmm. It's the game is designed okay. this way. Okay. To, it, it's designed that way to cause diversity. I think there are spells that should have their saves changed to other stats, like based on the flavor of the spell. But we will come to that when we cover our spells podcast down the road. Yeah. All right. So wisdom aside, right? Yeah. Last one was charisma. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about using intimidation's impressive aspect to command respect. I may have been selling intimidation short when I pointed out it can be difficult to use intimidation towards people who wouldn't normally be intimidated by you or people the party has to have a relationship with for a while because I feel like it's counterintuitive to go around just bullying everybody, right? But that could just be my own short-sightedness. It occurred to me it could be one of these things where maybe when you walk into a room... The DM, like, if you're dealing with, like, a mob lord, for instance, Mm -hmm. right, it might not be a thing where you're, like, trying to push around this mob lord, but that might be a point where as soon as the mob lord sees you, you walk into the room, the DM has you roll intimidation to just see how, like, imposing you are, how much respect you can command, like, from, just use it to determine disposition, basically, how this person regards you and how they treat you. Uh, If you're someone who... That's an insight check. 
Yeah, yeah, it would be like contested by like an insight check. It depends on what on the effect you're going for. Well, is basically, I, I just would always dump intimidation because I'm like, I, I, you can't like push around. I feel like you got Pushing more use out of the other skills. Long term, basically, it gets yeah, you short yeah. term results with long term ill effects. Well, I just felt like there was a, a smaller audience that you could use intimidation on, and you could lie and persuade pretty much everybody. But if we're not just trying to bully people around and we are using intimidation as a way to sort of like impose your presence, I think there is room for this skill to be a little more than I gave it credit for in situations where you're not trying to push somebody around. That's an, that is an interesting use, though. Yeah. I think you could lean heavily into reputation and roleplay to compensate for its inability to function persuasively. Uh, and what I mean by that is that you might not be able to convince somebody of something per se, but you could be impressive enough to sway their opinion. You see what I mean? Like, There's no type of renown system in, uh, in D&D, really? Because, I mean... Um, knowing, I believe there is when it comes to dealing with a particular organization, but I don't I mean, believe there's the a individual system for like broad reputation. I feel like at the even at the individual level, if someone's if you're like a small town folk hero or something like that, the people the next town over will have heard of you and be like, oh wow, you're pretty cool. Like we've heard about you yeah. here. And this is one of those things we talked about with intimidation, especially yeah. like if you're like. If you're a bounty hunter who, like, shows up at a bar and, like, breaks a few fingers and questions somebody and leaves, yeah, people are going to warn other people about you. And so your reputation, I think, is more likely to build itself through intimidation uh, than it is with, say, persuasion or deception. And I feel like the ball's kind of in the DM's court to, like, micromanage that. I've personally always felt that money greases the wheels really easily in D and D, <laughs> and paying your paying your average uh, town folk gold to to get you some information is usually pretty easy. Yeah. Generally, they'll be like, "Oh yeah, oh cool, this is more than I'd make in like two weeks." Yeah. I'm, too- <laughs> I'm a peasant. I'm like- a peasant. <laughs> God. Not to be rude. I mean, I'm being. I'm a literal, rich adventurer like- <laughs> because, like, I you know, I'm a murder hobo. I never understood why people don't settle. Why adventurers don't settle? And they're in like, "Oh, like I killed all the werewolves out of this castle. Now I have a castle." Like yeah. nobody ever, or at least my players never did that. They never like settled and were like. Okay, let's actually like make this place ours. In my experience, that like I've we've done that a lot. Like in my games, is that we once we find somewhere that we like, we turn it into a base, and I, that's kind of become it becomes ours. I love base management. My players utilize their stuff, but they don't make bases. So like they they relocated a town into like these empty towns. Absolutely. But they never were like, okay, this is just our base, and we're gonna pimp this place out. Which I would love. I got Matt Colville's strongholds and followers. Just like give me, give me that base RP, dude. Here's another one. Should we use wisdom saves to avoid fear, as per spells, or insight to realize it's just a manipulation attempt? If you are intimidating somebody, right? The fear spell uses wisdom. Yeah. And you could argue this is because it is like a base mental fortitude dread kind of like that is evoked. Yeah, mental fortitude, but. This is the same sort of like animal reaction that intimidation could evoke from a creature. If you're if you're intimidating it, it's still that like animalistic fear. So like so, even if you're attempting to manipulate someone with intimidation, if you're evoking the same sort of fear, should it be opposed by that creature's wisdom or insight? If it's not a mind-affecting ability, 
like a spell, then it's not. Then it's going to be an insight check. If you're if you're using some kind of spell to affect their mind, it's you know it's a wisdom save. But that's because you're trying to breach their mind's defenses and implant this idea in their brain. An intimidation check. That's just you using your physical demeanor or your words to try and to try and scare someone. You're not. But it's you're the not same... trying to implant an idea in their brain. But it's the physical. same feeling, I guess, is what I'm. It, it, I no, they're entirely different. So feelings. you're saying where it's come from, where it comes from, is more important than yes. what it is. Yes, because okay, they specify in most spells regarding fear that it's a primal fear. It's a fear of like it's imminent dread, mm-hmm. as opposed to the self-preservation of oh he might break my fingers oh you know that kind of thing. Mm. They're very different things. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you, actually. Spells rely more on ensnaring a mind, whereas even if it is, like, the same feeling of fear, I feel like intimidation... Insight? Insight is kind of weird because it's used for bravery sometimes. Yeah. In addition to, like, regular judgment. Absolutely. And, again, this kind of goes back to, like, I feel like that's a mental stress. Like, fear is a mental stress. And so I was like, oh, that, that, mental yeah. constitution? I don't know. I don't yeah, know Yeah, that like, that's because a constitution is purely body, man. I guess, dude. And wisdom, guess, wisdom is mental fortitude. I don't know if I'm convinced yet, but... Uh, but I, you, it's, constitution it's is your body's ability to fight off germs and or infection and or uh, bounce back from injury. Your wisdom is how well you take said things in stride and how quickly you try and recover doing the things you used to do. Okay. As opposed to your body having the actual physical ability to do said things again. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I, we just, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to say you're wrong because you have an interesting No, the take way on it's it. written, you are correct. Yeah. It's just that I'm not sold on the way that it's written. That's all. Um, then, no, I guess. I was going to be like, then play a different then game. Play no. a different <laughs> game. God damn it. <laughs> just homebrew it, Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> just um, make your own game, Hunter. Uh, <laughs> next time on Nerd Jam, making your own game. Yeah, uh, making your own game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is not so much something we forgot, but I wanted to mention the Haunted One background okay. from Curse of Strahd. Absolutely. It's a module. The background feature of this particular background is called Heart of Darkness. Let me quote this. Those who look into your eyes can see that you have faced unimaginable horror and you are no stranger to darkness. Though they might fear you, commoners will extend you every courtesy and do their utmost to help you. Unless you have shown yourself to be a danger to them, they will even take up arms to fight alongside you should you find yourself facing an enemy alone. I think this is very interesting because it will actually... This is a background ability that recruits allies in combat to you. Well, yeah. Which is kind of strange. In addition to just like, oh yeah, I'll do my utmost to extend you every courtesy. I think it's very generous that that's written into this background here. I feel like it's because like you've seen so much shit that it shows in your eyes and in your face. And people are just like, oh, poor baby, I need to take care of you. You're you're just guts from Berserk. Yeah. Oh, "Oh my God. Oh, my God. He's he's so haunted. He's so edgy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but that's all. Um, maybe, I, I don't know how, I, I think we may have lightly touched on how the noble can get a knight retainer. Oh, yeah. 
Like briefly, I think. Yeah, we briefly mentioned it, but that's also a pretty major background if you're looking for other social options. Okay, that's it for the different skill podcasts that we did. So looking back over the series as a whole, what was new to you? What was new to me? Um, I guess seeing how little there was in medicine for real, like spending the time and looking at the skill and being like, wow, this is really not much in here. <laughs> like that was, the, I'm not going to lie. That was kind of like shocking. Yeah. Like, re- like it's, there's really nothing. Yeah. they. Just, <sighs> it's funny. No, we hated on it. Yeah, we lot. did. I, I feel like maybe we complained a little too much about uh, it. Yeah, I mean, it we, really is kind of up to your imagination as far as what you can use a medicine skill for. Yeah. I Beyond magical healing. I was surprised how much the intelligence skills stepped up to the plate. Oh, dude, yeah. like Because I, I really didn't think you would ever really use intelligence skills for anything other than referencing tidbits of like lore or trivia, which is just like, like where I don't need from. that, you know? But no, you can do all kinds of crazy shit with them. So let's talk about things that aren't in the game as much as we would like. Medicine. Medicine, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like there's a missed opportunity to utilize skill rolls in spells, especially for channeled spells, right? I feel like this could represent an ongoing challenge throughout a casting. So like if you're continuously making arcana checks to sort of like guide someone through the astral realm... Funnily enough, like that. now that you mentioned that, I think I mentioned the concentration checks that people had to do previously. The concentration was a skill in intelligence that was used for maintaining spells. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so now a, constitu- uh, I'm sorry, concentration. a concentration save is just a constitution save, which is interesting because it's not a wisdom save. What's going on there? Like, why would it be constitution and not like your Wait, ability? Concentration save is a constitution save to maintain a spell. That used to be an intelligence skill. I just want to say that's why it was put in there in the game. Previously in 3.5, their concentration, you would invest in that as a caster. So that way you can hold the spell for a really long time. And it was an intelligence skill. Well, I'm, I'm just saying no, it's I, weird. It's weird that they make this a constitution save so because weird. this represents your ability to maintain a mental concentration despite stress yeah. from the external environment. This kind of goes back again to why I feel so weird about what wisdom actually is. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I can. There's just like, it, we don't have to jump back into that, but yeah, it's, it's but weird. I get where you're coming from. There's I, weird, there's weird combinations that I feel like that make, actually makes me understand where you're coming from a little better. I'll be honest. Yeah. I feel like they were maybe written at different points in game design and like, I think you might be right. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's just one of those things. Um, yeah. we're missing a bunch of skill spells. Where are all the skill spells? Where's my perception and investigation spells and cantrips? where's my eagle eye that lets me just like see super far away or it like lights up footprints on the ground for me. Just like something that can like give me advantage on an investigation role. There's nothing like that, like in the game. Druidcraft doesn't enhance uh, footprints or anything like that. Mm, you could homebrew that, but it's, it's not written in. Okay. Likewise survival. There's no spells which incorporate survival or buff survival. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of room for your intelligence skills. So, like, there have got to be some sort of spells that could benefit from knowing about nature, arcana, history, or religion. But there is nothing in the game that utilizes those in those ways. Medicine, surgical spells. We're going to have to look at some 3.5 spells later on. Maybe, I want to show you some stuff. I I, I am really looking forward to talking about spells and magic because there's a lot of interesting room there. Oh, dude, yeah. 
It makes a lot of sense to me that, like, clerics can just dump magic into a wound and heal it. Yeah. But it would also make a lot of sense to me if, like, lower spell level versions of that were available if you have the medical knowledge to apply it. So, like, say you're trying to, like, heal a broken leg, right? You could use minor restoration to just, like, blast that leg and, and it's healed, right? Yeah. But if you have, like, a fine medical knowledge, I can also see somebody, like, going in there with, like, a mending cantrip and, like, stitching the bone back together, that sort of thing. Like, there's got to be a way to take advantage of knowledge that you have in spells. May not be that exact way, but I just think it's possible. I feel like high medicine check which should give you a bonus to the effect of your healing spell, mm-hmm. per se. Like a cure light would do an extra plus one, that kind of thing, if it's high enough. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you have proficiency in it, just to put a little cherry on top. Yeah. But um, as far as like making medicine be like an actual healing thing, I feel like the classes that have those spells don't really need medicine and there's cer- certain situations that would require extended care mm-hmm. and or like checking the status of a person's health so what about what about like sleight of hand spells i feel like if you had a spell where like you concentrated for like a minute and then every person who like passes by you within 10 feet or so like afterwards you can just like pick everybody's pocket at the same time and all the items just like lift out of like a slip in the air and just pour out onto the ground in front of you how cool would that be dude just like a steal from everybody's pocket kind of spell I feel like you could use mage hand to sleight of hand things. You can if you are an arcane trickster. Only one subclass is allowed yeah. to do that. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of makes sense because it seems like that would be very broken mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense. But like... Well, I'm just saying in a world with magic, I feel like it would be a natural thing. If there is a world in which arcane tricksters exist and have existed, you know, or just a world where like magic and common. thievery both exist. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I am I just feel like it would be a sort of natural occurrence for something like that to exist in the world. I like feel like spells be... for crime, basically. Where are my crime spells at, dude? I feel like that would be super high level, especially on that for such a specialized small teleportation spell for for it, specific items out of basically people's pockets that would be a very detailed intricate teleportation I spell like of some kind it's just like a conjuration spell really. you're not creating something though. and you're just you're, like you're, you're marking everybody that's coming past and then you are just sort of like slipping a hand into all of those pockets at the same time it just makes sense to me that there would be conjurers who are thieves like, I mean, it just it it makes sense in the world that somebody would be using this magic in this way. And I don't see any spells provided to the players that combine sleight of hand with this, except for like the mage hand arcane trickster yeah. subclass, but which I, I think is cool. And yeah. that, that should be left alone. But I, I would at least like to see something that's like cast this and you get advantage on your sleight of hand checks. Just something simple, I mean, you know, for role play that, like, to give you a little bump here and there, you know, something like that. That would be a little bit easier to do. I feel like skill buffs beyond just straight physical skill or physical attribute buffs rather i feel like, like something ability be- score buffs yeah like ability score buffs give you those enhance ability basically. comes in at second level yeah and that that's like everything but i'm talking about just like your low level 
like a cantrip yeah, that would just like your street, give you like street advantage. magic. Yeah, like cantrip or like maybe just like a first level spell that that doesn't buff all of your dexterity, but it's it's good for like when you're trying to pull a B and E, you know, and or or something like that. We also have things like insight. Where's my insight spells? I would love to see a spell that's just like you pull a secret out of someone. It, it just puts the ball in the GM's court where it's like you use this to conjure like a piece of information that this creature is willingly trying to hide from others. That sounds like a psionics thing. And there's a uh, there's an unearth arcana for that. Okay, okay. We should cover psionics at some point in the future, but there is so much material that we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to, to it eventually. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll have to cover psionics and spellcasting. Uh and lastly, intimidation and performance. I feel like we don't really see any intimidation buffing spells or performance enhance. Well, I suppose there's a lot of like things you can do that your DM would like allow you to enhance your performance with like a minor illusion cantrip that sort of thing, but intimidation I would like to see more support for. Isn't there a few effects that give you bonuses to intimidation and like a there's few like friends, friends actually helps you with intimidation, which is kind of weird. We laughed at that before. Yeah. I don't know. I'm thinking I don't I'm wrong. think there's anything. Enhance ability at a second level spell will let you buff your charisma, but on yeah. top of that, there's not anything specifically for intimidation. Okay, for intimidation, yes. I was thinking of like, but fear effects are different. So. Mm-hmm. I reskinned the armor of Agathis, Agathis, yeah, Agathis spell to basically be that you conjure up a like burning black article of clothing. Yeah, you can reveal it to whoever you like, so not everybody sees it. Just the people you want to see it can see you like wearing like this burning like skull crown or something yeah. like that, you know. And you get advantage on intimidation checks while they can see it, okay? Because it, it evokes like a primal dread out okay. of them. And that let one of my players who had intimidation and really wanted to, like, get into that, like, yes, I'm, I'm a boss bitch, you know? Yeah. She got a big kick out of that. And it's been really good so far. Okay. Just just something we're not yeah. seeing there. Uh, skillless ability scores. Strength only has athletics. And Khan has no skills. Yeah, but we still managed to make a nice long podcast about Khan. Yes, we did, because there's a lot of juice you can you can pull out of that. But I just feel like I would have liked to have seen them try. I, I guess 5th edition was about trimming things down. And so, like, it, it makes sense. It works yeah. the way it is. But I would like to see constitution skills in there somewhere. And, like, maybe some other stuff to, like, make strength a little bit more important. Because I feel like it's really cool. There's a lot of stuff you can do with it, but it's very general. And I want to see, like... Well, I mean, I feel like strength, I mean, strength is your attack, uh, is your attack score. It's your your physical attack score. You have to look at like strength versus dexterity. Yeah. Dexterity in fifth edition is your AC, it's your skills, and it's an attack stat, which like gives you your damage and your accuracy. Isn't it just for ranged attacks though? No. On dex? No, it's for dex weapons as well. Oh, okay. So that's why I was saying like a dexterity rogue can just like dump everything, take all dex, and you're good at like everything. Well, previously you would take a feat called weapon finesse, and that would let you use your dex, so it was kind of like, it wasn't built into the weapons. Finesse is a weapon property now. Yeah. Weapon finesse used to be a feat. And that's what lets you use decks on certain weapons like rapiers, that kind of mm. thing, for your attack stat instead that would of be crazy. strength. Like a, but strength like a used dex to be great axe build. Oh yeah, well that wouldn't work because it's not a it's not a dexterous weapon. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got to brute force that thing, man. Um. Anyway, 
What about skill-based mechanics? Uh, we griped about this with medicine a lot. In 5th edition, we see certain skills playing an important role in game mechanics, like athletics for grappling checks, medicine for stabilization, or just like straight-up con score checks for uh, hit points and resistance. I feel like what this does is it offers flavorful mechanical rewards for investing in those skills. You invest in medicine, you get the stabilization mechanic with that combat medic flavor. I feel like there's room for high-skill mechanics, which are currently locked behind feats, to be locked behind proficiencies instead. Give players incentives to roleplay and be good at the things they invested in as long as they pass a high enough DC. Uh, an example of this, medicine not having mechanics sort of discourages investment in medicine. And you've got things like lesser restoration, which like you touch a creature, you can end conditions, or greater restoration, you can address any reduction to one of the target's ability scores or something like that. There's room for the other skills to be used in this way. I would like to see some really cool insight mechanics, which give us a structure for prying information out of people. A secret prying spell, like I can see that being like a divination spell, that'd be pretty cool to have. Yeah. Just just little gripes I wish we had. We gotta get you to play Pathfinder. <laughs> Apparently, dude. I've, I've heard Pathfinder suffers from bloat, but it's amazing. Oh yeah, there's a lot of stuff, but basically so many of these mechanics you're upset about right now are covered. <laughs> God. I'm not going to lie. Like it, it's a funny thing in there. Well, I started well, on fifth ed and, yeah, and I, I do love my fifth. We edition. all have to start somewhere, bro. Uh, Pathfinder 2.0 is out. I wouldn't yeah, mind. Well, we should check that out sometime to... and maybe, uh, maybe talk about that at some point in the future. I would love to do Pathfinder 2.0, Call of Cthulhu, Warhammer, 40k. Uh, 40k is super fun. Oof. We can do 40k. I want to get into it. Uh, anyway. I, I wish we had feats for high ability scores as well, uh, because I feel like it would add a reason for desiring high ability scores other than just a flat boost to your numbers, right? Like being better at strength gives you higher athletics and more damage, yeah, which is cool. But I would also like to see like if I put these two points into strength, then I'll qualify for like this kick-ass strength only feat that like only high level strength builds can get or something like that. Pathfinder does that. Ah, okay. Well, <laughs> well, you know what? Then maybe that's a thing. We should start looking at what's available in Pathfinder. And, and I do like for my own game, I do try and look into a lot of these older books, but like that is where we need like your old school knowledge to just be like, oh yeah, there's a feat for that. Here's what it's called. Oh, yeah. yeah I, that, something like that's, this. that's kind of what I've been trying to do. Uh, there's a bunch of strength based feats in Pathfinder more than we, we could probably spend like 30 minutes just talking about strength based feats, but we'll do that later. Um, it'll <laughs> yeah. be a different podcast. I'm, I'm really looking forward to feats cause I got a lot to say about. Oh feats. dude. Yeah. We'll talk about interesting feats from other editions that I got. I'll pull out of my, uh, repertoire. Hell yeah, dude. If you have For any that. old books, we can just dig through those. So in in retrospect, this yes. was the way we opened up the Ad Proficiency podcast. How do you feel about the journey that has been the skill series from start to finish? It's been learning a lot of new skills in real life. Audio quality, editing, editing. writing. Yeah, It's been amazing so far, and I look forward to doing this for much longer. It has been crazy. We we have definitely had like our trials and and figuring out. We we got sessions one through three done, and then after that we had to deal with audio quality. So it took us a while to come out with the wisdom skills, followed by constitution. And while we were sorting out audio quality, we ran into a problem of the first takes of wisdom and constitution were just like not up to snuff. Like quality wise, it, it just didn't sound good because we hadn't figured out like a proper recording setup yet. 
And I think looking back, it was kind of a blessing in disguise because it gave us time to like listen to our podcast over and over and be like, here's what we want to make out of it. And here's what we didn't like. Yeah. Like I would just listen to the intelligence score one over and over and just compare it to wisdom. And then I basically rewrote wisdom based on everything we heard. And then moving forward, used that outline. And that kind of helped set us up for the toolkit podcast too, because it taught us how to make outlines and like yeah. how to how to speak or how this process is going to go. Yeah. And really that really helped us hammer home what our process is, yeah. like how we're approaching each uh, subject. And honestly, it's it feels not it feels good doing this. How would you describe ad proficiency in a nutshell? I was about to spout the thing from our episode zero, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, um, no, honestly. A long uh, ass. Yeah. Our, uh, no, ad proficiency is a excellent learning tool for veterans and beginners to help gain a better understanding of the mechanics of the game. Mm-hmm. We're trying to trick you into thinking differently by, yeah. by exposing you to cool ideas. The sort of ideas that like were exposed to us, but very slowly over time. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. That's not, that's no, that's good. Okay. Well, yeah, we did it. That's it. That's it. I about we're wrapped good. it up. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Thank you for joining us on Ad Proficiency. (laughs) (laughs) Join us next time for the start of our toolkit series. We'll see you guys next time.